All our lives, we've been told to go to school, get good grades, get a good job, and you'll be set. How's that working out for you? I'm Tavana Denise, physical therapist turned life and business coach, and I'm on a mission to help you create a life you love and a business on your terms. If you want more time, more freedom, more flexibility, I can help you create it. Welcome to Breaking Protocol, the show for women in healthcare who want more. As always, I am excited because we have another badass in the virtual building. I was going to say in the building, but we're all virtual quarantining, social distancing these times. And I'm so excited to have Mary Grace Gardner here, who I have been fortunate enough to be in a mastermind with for the last several weeks. And something happened during one of our conversations in mastermind where I was like, wait a minute, you have to come in and tell all the people all the things because every time i am talking to you the listener it is like i just want you to win so much and that's why the program is called courage circle that's why this podcast is called breaking protocol and i think mary grace is just the person to help with a critical piece of having success as an entrepreneur and not making it so hard so let me give you the official bio of mary grace she is the founder of the young professionista serving as a college admissions and career coach helping hardworking students get into their ideal college and ambitious professionals with landing their dream jobs. She is also the co-founder of Human-Centered Reliability, where she teaches a system of thinking and acting to optimize personal and professional performance. She has worked a decade in healthcare as chief of staff. So that's another reason, of course, why I wanted you to come on and talk to us. So hi, Mary Grace. Thank you for being here. Hi, Savannah. I'm excited to be here with you. Yay. So we can have the official bio now. And I would love for you, if you could paint the picture of, do you remember what we were talking about when I was like, oh my gosh, you have to come and talk to the people. <laughs> yeah, I think it was when I was talking to you about for my for my young professionista business, and I was doing a bunch of experimentation on figuring out what I should do for my next webinar. So I think it was when I was in a situation where it's a webinar run for a couple years now, and I have been able to use it as a, a driver for participants to enroll in one of my programs, but I wanted to really optimize it. I had people who were joining it or excited, and I was trying to figure out how do then I help them take the next step. And in our mastermind, I was talking to you about how I was literally taking feedback and then trying something different the next month, and then again the next month, and then going through these rapid cycles of testing and treating it as a work in progress. So I think that was what started that conversation about experimentation. Yeah, so how did you get to a place where, because I don't think that a lot of people, one experiment or two, I'm always fascinated that you're doing these webinars, what I remember, the same webinar, but over and over and over again, and you're like, okay, I took this thing and I tweaked it or I changed that or I implemented that, and now this is the result I'm getting. How did you even come up with that strategy or build that ability because I am noticing, even for myself, 
put my own cell phone blast here. If something doesn't quite work like I think, I want to throw the whole thing out. So yeah, how did you, how did you come up with that? <laughs> so I, it's so tempting to, right? Because you get frustrated and by the time you create the thing and you launch it and there's something that doesn't work, you realize, okay, maybe the entire thing's a mess when really it might be just one small thing that needs to change. And if you didn't just focus on that one small thing, you might think the whole thing's a failure. So I think what started me having this mindset, first off, there's stuff that happened when I was growing up where my parents really just encourage experimentation, that it was okay for me to be a lifelong learner. So that part I think was always embedded, but from a career perspective, it was actually my career in healthcare that really embedded this mindset of experimentation, which is probably contradictory to any of the people who are listening in healthcare because <laughs> of clinicians, especially clinicians, right? You are expected to know the answer, right? You, you go to school and most of us in the healthcare world were top of our classes and we knew the answer. And when you're dealing with a patient, that's probably not the time to experiment, right? You're not hoping that your doctor or the surgeon is saying, hey, let's do an experiment in the middle of a surgery. However, the specific role I had uh, in healthcare as chief of staff, one of them was I was in charge of teaching something called lean and performance improvement. So what that discipline is, is how do you use evidence-based problem solving to improve things in a hospital or improve things in the delivery of care? So that could be, how do you make sure that your patient's experience gets better? How do you make sure that quality is better? And what we encouraged was helping care teams figure out together, what are some of those problems that are getting in the way from you getting to your goal? And what's one small thing you can change and try to see if it makes things better tomorrow? And so I literally took that same mindset and applied it to business. And that's what has kept me open-minded to this experimentation process. So tell me a little bit more about what your offerings are with Young Professionista. Sure. So for the young professionista, there's two lines of business. One is the career consultations that I do where I help individuals in a one-on-one -on -one basis. And we focus on career transitions like going for promotions or going into a new industry. So usually those are mid-level careerists. But my main focus is really on the college prep world. My focus there is really on helping students with figuring out what are their passions, figuring out what types of changes they wanna make in the world, and then helping them explore that through high school so that they have this portfolio that they're passionate about. And when they apply to college, they are applying in a way that's much more holistic. And so I have been doing this for the past 10 years now, alongside my career in healthcare. And it wasn't something I ever thought to create into a business. <laughs> and uh, recently, over the past couple of years, officially turned it into a business because I saw that there were ways to be able to help people in a bigger way if I actually turned it into an offering that was repeatable. You were doing it for basically eight years for free. Yes. And so like many probably folks who are listening who are in healthcare and then are exploring entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurship was always something that was talked about growing up where my parents always encouraged, you know, go for that education, go for the thing that you want to do and be open-minded to if you see a problem that needs to be solved, starting a business, right? So that was always an open conversation at home. And as I was climbing up in my career path in healthcare and I was, I was loving my job, right? I, I still love working in healthcare. 
I always had people picking my brain and I just never thought twice about it, right? So for my own personal experience, people were wondering, how did I get into competitive schools? So I got into schools like Yale, Johns Hopkins. I have my undergrad degree from UCLA, my grad degree from Berkeley. They also wanted to understand as a graduate student, I was part of the Berkeley admissions team reviewing applications and making decisions on who got accepted, denied, who got scholarships. So people wanted to pick my brain. And so it just had always happened from college and on where people would say, hey, Mary Grace, can you give me feedback about my kids' experience? Can you tell me what you think about this? And so I squeezed these consultations before work, during lunch, after work, and then I got to a point where I felt like, wow, these are the same questions happening over and over again. What if I create templates to respond? Or what if I shorten the time from an hour to then 20 minutes because I know how to answer? And then I got to a point where people at work were asking me these questions. Everyone was asking me and I realized, wait a minute, should I be monetizing this? And <laughs> is this actually a business? And then that's when I said, well, let's see. And I, I charged for it. The next kind of person who asked me, I said, let me actually charge for it and see what happens. And I was able to be compensated for the time. And I realized there's something here. Uh, and that's where, uh, yes, did it for free. So I have over a decade of experience in the topic, but I did it for free for so long. And now that I've actually turned it into a business, I'm now at this point where I am able to help more people in a way that is both fulfilling and uh, challenging and fun for me. Well, I think that's interesting that you said now that you've turned it into a business, you're able to help more people because I think there's so many people listening that they just do stuff that kind of comes natural to them. So what was that turning point in your mind where it's like, oh, wait a minute, I've been doing this for free for eight years. I should probably charge for this. And what was it like for you charging the first time something that you had given for free and it was it came naturally to you? It was just this thing that you did. I think that one of the reasons I thought about charging for it was because people were coming back to me, letting me know what an impact it made on their kids' lives or the students themselves telling me what transformations they had, right? So I might be mentoring them about career exploration. I be mentoring them about uh, extracurriculars, right? And so different things where for me, it just came naturally because I, I tend to generate ideas. I could see the potential in people, uh, even when people can't see it themselves. And so it just came naturally. And so when I, when I started hearing about these big shifts and these big transformations, and then it became friends of friends who were coming for help, I also knew that I needed to create a system around myself in order to be able to protect my time because I, ha I still had the day job. I, I have two babies. I have a two-year-old and four-year-old, and I wanted to help people in this avenue, but I also needed some systems around it to be able to do it effectively. Otherwise, if you kind of just patchwork everything, you can, th there's no end to how much time you can give, right? And, and that might just not be effective or efficient in both your time as the business owner or the time of the recipients, right? So, so that was one piece. Uh, the question you had though about charging for it for the first time, you know, it's interesting because as a career coach, I'm always telling people, you know, make sure you negotiate for your worth and make sure that you, you, are, you are happy with the way in which you're compensated and that you're getting compensated for the value you provide. And I think in a career setting, I've always been comfortable with negotiating. I've always have been comfortable with advocating for, for what I felt like I deserved. When it came to now charging for a business, I, I had some mental blocks there where my goal 
became, let's see if someone can actually pay me a dollar. Like that was, that was literally my, my goal is can I get someone to pay me a dollar for my knowledge that is outside of a day job, even though in my day job, I was making a good salary. My, my goal for business was make a dollar. That was kind of the way that I approached it. And yet I wasn't afraid to charge because that other side of me knowing you charge for your value, you charge for the transformation. Obviously I didn't charge a dollar. <laughs> so I charged a rate that made me feel comfortable. And when that first notification from Stripe came in of this person has given you this amount of money, I realized this, this could be something that I can continue to grow. It just takes that one time as proof for yourself. And then you realize this is something that I can continue to build. That's so, so good. And it's interesting. I was doing a little math in my head and you said you have a two and a four year old and you've been doing this for about two years. So did you start this business when you were pregnant? And if <laughs> yeah. so, one, why did you do that? <laughs> and, and what was it like to be pregnant starting a business? Oh my gosh. So I've been doing this now, I guess officially I'm going to be on my fourth year of the young professionals of being an official business. And it did start around me being pregnant. So th there's this period that they call nesting. And I know everyone nests in different ways. Some people clean and they get their houses in order. My form of nesting was, hmm, let me, let me finish all these certifications. Let me get a real estate license. I've never used it before, but I have one. I, I just thought that would be a good time to get it, I guess, at the time. And I thought, well, let me get my business all sorted out. And so I took a course on entrepreneurship. I said, let me, let me try to finish my web page and landing page and my first webinars. This was all the month before I was gonna give birth. And I think for me, I, there was this that hard deadline of, I need to make sure that I have all of this laid out so that when I am on maternity leave and the hypothetical time of when the baby is napping, I can use this as an outlet of additional creativity. And so it was, I know this is going to sound strange. It was fun. It was a fun experience for me because I was building something that was mine, right? So when, when you're in a career, you can build something that is yours, but you're part of this bigger vision of the CEO of the company or the founder of the company, and you're contributing to that overall vision versus it was mine. It was mine that I was building from scratch. And it was me who was calling the shots of what was the content. It was me who was creating what should it feel like and look like. And so it was fun. And also uh, because I imposed that deadline of giving birth of that's the stop point for this phase, it encouraged me to take action pretty quickly. So would you have any words of wisdom for anyone who is in that similar situation where it's like maybe they just found out they're pregnant or they're in the midst of the pregnancy and they're like, oh, is it the right time to start the business? Should I wait till after the baby's born? Do you have any thoughts about that? I have lots of thoughts about that. I think if you wait until you feel like it's the right time, there, there's just never going to be the right time. I think when I, when I look back at my own life and I think, wow, I had so much time when I was a student, right? Or I had so much time before the kids. But if I went back in time and talked to myself at that time, I'm sure I would say, future Mary Grace, you are, you are, I don't know what, this is bizarre. I am really busy right now. I do not have the time to add this on. So I think there's so much clarity when you look backwards and you say, well, maybe I, I could have done this and I should have done that. I feel like if you keep waiting for that time, 
it's just never going, there's never going to be this pause in your life, especially if you're the type of person who, who wants to grow, who wants to challenge yourself every year, you're probably putting more on your plate to grow. And so I would say if you are having the itch to explore entrepreneurship, you can take a step, right? And even if you feel like you don't have a lot of time, because like I still have my day job. I still literally right before our conversation, I was helping my four-year-old with his TK virtual Spanish class. Well, I'm monitoring that while I was also working on my day job, right? So what, what I find is that when you do have in a lot the time and space to work on the projects you care about, you are even more productive, even if it's half an hour or an hour in that day. I now can do so much in that hour that maybe the Mary Grace 10 years ago would not have accomplished in that same amount of time. So 30 days before giving birth, I was able to whip out a website, create webinars, start an email list. I mean, there's so much I could do. So I would say for people who are thinking, I just don't have time. I think that there's still some steps you can take to take a step forward in exploring that interest. I'm so glad that you said that because I don't have any kids, but I'm thinking about my capacity. I'm thinking about capacity in general. Like people look now like you do so much and like, it doesn't seem like a lot. It doesn't seem like it's that difficult because back in the day, I took the steps to learn how to do a little bit at a time so that it became rote or it became habit now. Um, So that's so important. I would love for you to touch on, if you don't mind, for the moms that are maybe in a similar situation as you right now, you're working full-time in your healthcare job and you're monitoring the homeschooling and you're running the young professionista. So what on a day-to-day basis, if you don't mind sharing, does that look like and how are you managing that if you had any tidbits to share? Uh, It comes back to also to Parkinson's law, right? The tasks that you have will fill the amount of time you give it. And so I think I have especially right now in COVID pandemic era, I think everything is on overdrive, right? We have our kids, my husband's a teacher. So he's in another room teaching a middle school class. So we are all just on, right? I think for us, what has helped is a couple things. One is my husband and I literally have a huddle every morning saying who's on point for which pieces, who's going to be transferring over here, who's going to need this amount of time when, right? So it's definitely teamwork. And also for the kids, I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old and I would tell them during this time, mommy is going to have a conversation with Miss Tavana. And so don't knock on the door during this time. You have your homework that you're focusing on, right? And my four-year-old said, okay, mommy, I won't knock on the door during that time unless I need something, right? Unless I really, really need something. So part of it is that expectation setting. And then the other thing that's been super helpful is having a feedback loop at the end of the day. So not every day goes 100% perfect. And so part of that is my own self-reflection of, okay, well, that didn't go well. What should I do differently tomorrow to help things run smoother? Feedback also from my husband or even the kids of, are there things we should do differently tomorrow to help your days run smoother as well? I think that helps quite a bit too. And then one thing also that's super helpful and we're very fortunate of is we have some help with my in-laws who typically live in Los Angeles. I'm in the San Francisco Bay area, but they are up here who, and they can take our two-year-old and help us in the mornings with the baby. So a lot of it is just teamwork around making sure we have a community that is understanding and respectful and knowledgeable about each other's priorities so that we can all kind of help each other accomplish what we want to for each day. 
Wow. I was like, your kids must be angels to have a two and a four year old and you're doing all of that. So can you talk to me a little bit about your, like the people were just coming to you and now they pay you for the Young Professionista and your career services and the other stuff that you do. Why the decision to stay in healthcare while you're building your business, your baby, and if you can take a sneak peek into the future, do you plan to continue to do both? Uh, in the entrepreneur space, I, the, oftentimes you see the narrative of people who are in a job and they want to escape the job and go into entrepreneurship. And I totally respect that. Right? I, I, I love seeing those stories. I think for me personally, I, I see myself as someone who is multi-passionate and I, I call myself a portfolio careerist. And so my career is a portfolio of different things that I find fulfilling. And so for my healthcare career, I am challenged by it. I love the work that I do. There's smart people that I'm working with. It's fun. I, I love that work. And I think that having a business. So I have my young professionista business. I'm launching a second one called human center reliability. It allows me to explore these other interests that I have as well. And so uh, I think it's not really a either or for some people it is. And I think that's completely fine for me. It was a both. And I like my day job a lot. I love the boss I work for. I like the contributions that I'm making. I'm inspired by the work. And there's other parts of me too, where I feel like I can give. And so the nice thing uh, is that whatever boss I've ever had has been super supportive of this as well. I'm completely transparent about my situation. And I know for some of the listeners that might not always be the case, right? There, there might be some situations where you're, you can't, and that's where you're going to have to figure out what's the right best thing for you. And, and I've always had had and surrounded by managers who were supportive of me, of course, doing well in my day job, right? I've, I've always have done well. And they've always been supportive of me exploring my other interests and growing in other ways. The nice thing though, is that what I have been learning in entrepreneurship has helped a lot actually in my day job. I remember um, it's one of my chief of staff roles in healthcare. I was working with our it was with our uh, marketing team. I worked for a large healthcare system uh, and it was both the, the hospital, a health plan and a medical group. And we were talking about the change in, changes of healthcare and the insurance product and how do we make sure that what we're providing is the right thing for our people. And I had all this marketing experience that I could talk about. I knew about ideal clients. I knew about avatars. I knew about onboarding processes. I knew about how to use social media. And so they were asking me questions like, well, can you be our social media manager? Actually, I know this is a little side thing you do in your, in your part of your day job, but can you do help us launch that? Or um, can you speak to these certain things or be in these certain venues? And it was because I knew about marketing and I knew about, I knew about that type of stuff. And so it actually has been super helpful. You, and especially the other piece that's been helpful too is about learning about brand building. So when you're building your brand as an entrepreneur, it's been also super helpful because there's so many elements that you can actually apply to leadership and building a leadership brand. And so the executive leaders that I'm working with, 
they are benefiting <laughs> from what I'm learning in that space as well. And so I've, I have been able to merge the two. And so your question about, do I ever plan on leaving healthcare? Uh, currently I have no, I don't have no plans to leave healthcare because right now all of it is helping to fulfill the way in which I want to contribute to the world. I think that is so important what you said about the the parallels and how it makes you even more marketable in in the job and in the organization because you have skills that you built over here for your business that you bring over here. And I was saying that we recently did an interview with um, Dr. Emily Shaw about how to get coaching into your organization. And we were saying some of the same things that we had to learn in building our coaching practice. Marketing, we learned sales, and then you have to sell the idea to the organization and the higher up. So I, I love, love, love that you touched on that. One thing that somebody might be wondering as they're listening is, okay, so Mary Grace has been fortunate enough to have these wonderful managers that support her ideas and her side hustle and all of these things. If somebody's in a position where they're like, you know what, that makes sense. It's not either or, it's both and. And I also love that you said that. Um, and I want to do this for myself. Like, how could potentially someone approach that conversation with their manager? I would say first thing is check your onboarding documents because sometimes there is a clause on there where it says that you're not allowed to, right? So I would say before you even talk about it with your manager, double check your paperwork of what you signed to make sure that, that that's not the case. For me, um, in the work that I am doing now in healthcare, there actually was a clause about no moonlighting. And so while I was signing my documents, mm -hmm, I said, oh, well, uh, I got to make sure because I have this other passion project I'm working on. So I, I called up HR. I talked to the manager before I signed on and, and took on a new role and told them about what my experience was and asked them if this was an issue. And they said, absolutely not. This is not in competition with the work that you're actually doing. It, actually, that could be helpful. We would love that. And they actually included it in my announcement, right? So to the company, I know they were so supportive of it. Uh, so first off, I would say, check your paperwork and then make sure, like for me, I had to pause because when I saw it, I thought, oh, that means I can't. And actually I could. So make sure to do that first. And then the second is make sure you're performing well in your day job too, right? So I think if you are not performing well in your day job, in your healthcare career, and then you're asking for extra time or you're asking for it being okay for you to do this other thing, it might be perceived as it's going to distract you from your work. So I, I would say step, step two is make sure that you are actually performing well. And then step three, a good place to potentially talk about this is when you have your developmental conversations with your manager. So typically you should have at least once a year in most places, and sometimes it's multiple times a year, conversations about your development plan. How are you gonna to continue to grow? What are the educational opportunities that you're interested in? That could be a good place where you are mentioning you're interested in potentially exploring entrepreneurship. And when you are having that conversation, I think it's super important to very much highlight how the work you can do or will do is not going to impact your day job. Or if it is, be prepared to have a conversation about what kind of adjustments might need to be made in order to make those accommodations. So can you still work full time and have that project you're working on or that idea you want to explore? If that's not the case, are you asking for your time to be shifted, right? So those are going to be some things I would recommend thinking about before jumping into that conversation with that manager. Yeah, I think it's, it can be as simple as the adage, you have not because you ask not. You know, sometimes we, especially as women, I found we 
don't get things just because we haven't thought to ask for them, which is so fascinating to me. So it makes me think of another part of what we really haven't talked about is like, we talked a little bit about branding. We talked a little bit about marketing, how that has worked in your organization. But in terms of the business part, you being a career coach, there are so many career coaches out here. How did you approach your own branding for your business and how to stand out in the marketplace? Because I know that's a big conversation that a lot of the listeners are having in their mind, like, okay, there's so many insert whatever type of coach. How can I stand out? I think one thing to just remember for all coaches is that there is not someone out there who's exactly like you with your lived experience. So even if you're teaching a similar topic, the way in which you are adding the flavor of who you are to it is going to make it different, right? The delivery is different. I think that's one. And then I think two as well, you know, if we keep this abundance mindset, there's a lot of people in the world that can be helped, right? And there's probably more clients than possible to serve by any one individual. And so there's many people all around. So even the name, the young professionista, I chose it because I was the youngest in the leadership on the leadership tables that I was at, right? And so I was in a situation where I was having incredible experiences and uh, was moving in my career quickly. And I was the young professional in the room and often added to that either gender diversity, age diversity, race diversity. And I, I was experiencing it and, and people were asking me about it. I think that was one thing to, for me to highlight was the, the diversity of experiences I was having. The college prep space, I'll, I'll highlight that part of it. The differentiator that I highlight there is that there are a ton of people who do tutoring and who do college prep coaching. There's people who say, I got into Harvard or I got into Stanford, therefore let me teach you how to do it too, right? So there's mm -hmm. that population. There's another population who they might've been teachers or they might've been part of the admissions teams. And then they're also giving feedback based upon their experiences. The way that I differentiated myself was that yeah, I did get into those competitive schools. Yeah, I was part of that group of people who was actually on the admission side. So I can tell you from real experience what it was like. But this third part where at first I never thought was a differentiator, but realized it's a big one, is that I actually have had an entire career outside of education where I have been a hiring manager. I have seen the resumes of people applying. And so I know that sometimes that that Yale degree is not going to be enough for you to be able to get into these jobs afterwards. For my own perspective, it was, well, what different thing can I add based upon these lived experiences I've had to be able to help students and clients in a more holistic way, where if you look in the education space, there's a lot of pressure, especially in the college space of get a 1600 on your SAT, get a perfect 4.0. And I wonder, you know, what impact that makes on our children and our kids and all that really high stakes pressure. And I come more of a from a mindset of let's now teach students and teach people or even the adults how to have this learner's mindset, how to have more grit, how to have these other skills that will help them later on in their careers. You mean entrepreneurial skills? Oh, yes. <laughs> huh, who would have thought, right? It shows up everywhere. So it's exactly that. It was how do I then take that, what my experiences were, and test it out with a couple clients and make that my thing. And so that's where I've differentiated myself. At first, I actually never mentioned that I had a completely different career, right? 
and I had all this going on. And now in my, in like in the past year of my marketing, I said, well, maybe let me start talking about that. Cause I, I actually have real experience of hiring and I actually have real experience of what it's like to sit in executive, the things that they want their kids to do actually have done that. So I could actually talk about that. Right. And so being more comfortable with sharing that as has been something that I've been really been focusing on over the past year. You mentioned being more comfortable with sharing that. What, if, if you don't mind sharing, was, was potentially the hesitation before? Because I think, at least from what I've seen in my clients and in myself, sometimes we think, oh, well, they don't want to hear that or that's not important or I'm being boastful or I'm bragging, whatever the case. So from your perspective, what would you say might have been the hesitation? For so long, I kept both of these things separate, my entrepreneurial side and my day job side. What was funny for me was in my day job, I would have colleagues coming and stopping by my office and talking to me about their kids and what colleges they were pursuing and asking me for my opinions. And I was thinking, oh, they have no idea that this is one of my businesses, right? And they have oh, wait, no wait, idea. wait. So you mean just by happenstance, they were coming, they had no idea? So you no were idea. already like a little baby magnet for this stuff. They were, yeah, they were already coming to me. They're like, oh, can my oh, daughter can talk you? to you about what your experiences were? Can you give, if I gave you my kid's essay, because you're a great writer, can you take, I'm thinking, they have no idea. <laughs> they had no idea, right? And so part of me, I kept it separate, right? But actually I was concerned about conflict of interest for me was the biggest one. I was worried that because my ideal clients were also my coworkers at work. And I actually worried that um, it would create some bias, right? So if I had a coworker who wanted to hire me for their kid, or they had a coworker who wanted to hire me for career prep, right? I was worried that that would create conflict of interest and favoritism, especially because I was chief of staff to our CEO. And anywhere where I was giving anyone special treatment could be seen as favoritism. I did my best to keep everything separate. So I ne actually never mentioned my college prep business until my goodbye party. So <laughs> my, my boss threw a goodbye party for me. I was moving on to a different company and I was sitting at the table with a bunch of executives and my boss who knew that I was in the college prep world she set me up. She teed up a conversation about all of the corruption happening right now in the college prep world where people are cheating, doing things they shouldn't, unethical things. And she turned to me and said, hey, Mary Grace, why don't you share with us your perspective on this topic? And I looked at her and with eyes very directed and said, <laughs> and I revealed and I said, for those of you who don't know, I have this other business actually in college prep and here is my stance on ethics, right? And so I just did my whole soapbox conversation about why we really need to let our kids learn and do things on their own so that when they're adults, they could be more productive, higher functioning, ethical beings. So we went through that. And at the end of my goodbye party, literally two other people around the table ran after me and said, hi, I would love you to coach my kid. Or another one said, ah, I would love you to coach my niece. And I got clients from that, right? It was that little conversation and it led to me getting clients. And so that's when I realized one, what I was a little bit afraid of, which was they're going to want to hire me. It was true, right? It happened. However, <laughs> however, they didn't look at me weird that I had this 
thing going on, they really respected it, right? Respected it enough to want to hire me, right? And so I think part of it too was keeping it separate for so long, I felt like I, I maybe I shouldn't or didn't really need to. And so even just recently on LinkedIn, I, I was featured in the media regarding my business. And I put that actually on my LinkedIn and on my LinkedIn, it has always been everything about my healthcare career. I had never mentioned anything about my business. Mm -hmm. And I had past executive leaders commenting and telling me that they read the article and telling me about how much they were cheering me on. And so that for me was a revelation of, wow, these two different me's can all be actually one me at the same time. And then you don't have to tiptoe around stuff. I think it's so interesting something you mentioned about one of the things that you were afraid of, like if you spoke up, then people would want to hire you, which obviously happened and here we are. Uh, but like, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I see that too. Like people are like, well, wait a minute. Somebody actually wants to pay me now. Now what? So. <laughs> yeah, I think for me at the time, I was, I was afraid of the dynamic that it would create, right? Because when you have a paying client, you have a different relationship with them, especially for the type of work I was doing where I would be mentoring their kids, right? That's a very close relationship where now I'm going to understand their parenting approach. Now I'm, their kid is going to vent to me about their situation. It would create this uh, kind of deeper level of me seeing into their world. And of course, and especially for healthcare, right? Patient confidentiality, right? These are not patients for me, but you would want to keep that all confidential. I, I just wanted to make sure I kept that line there. And, and there was more clients to go around, which was fine, but I, I wanted to be mindful that knowing that they probably would want to hire me, I wanted to make sure that it wouldn't interrupt the work that we would need to do for our day jobs. And this all depends on the work that you're doing and the client and the potential clients you're around. But for the particular world that I am working in related to career prep, related to college prep, I, I wanted to make sure that that line was pretty clean. And it, it makes me also think of something that you didn't mention here, but I know because of our, our time together, like you got to tell everyone listening what happened when you increased your prices and you were just oh. like actively trying to you i'm not even going to set you up <laughs> oh my gosh okay yes so i pricing is always tricky right especially for the stuff that i'm working on because there aren't a lot of comparisons of some of the things that I'm working on. So I'm, I'm working on some things that haven't been done before. And so I'm just kind of saying, based upon this, this feels like the right price and then testing it and seeing if people buy. So one thing that I did, this was last year, I, I have a, a workshop that I do every summer called the College Application Essay Workshop, where I take students from having no idea what to write for their college application essays to going through a holistic process to writing a, a, an essay that they're super proud about. So what challenge I had, which is a good thing, was that people wanted more after that particular workshop. They wanted to be able to have their kids get more feedback. The kids loved the experience, so they wanted to continue that relationship. So I just said, okay, uh, let's, let's do office hours where every week you can submit all the essays you want to me. And let's, I just threw out a price, a pretty low price. And I got, I got people in it and I was working so hard. I thought, oh no, I priced it incorrectly because now I'm like making less than minimum wage for all the hours I'm putting into it. This is not priced right, but it was the price I put out there. So I needed to stand by and give all I could and make sure that it was delivered in the best way possible. So I looked at that experiment and thought, I'm not doing that again for this year. So let's figure it out. 
So this year I increased the price dramatically and I actually cut the level of service. So rather than you can submit everything you want to me every week of the month, it's you have two chances. And if you don't use these two chances, you're going to either have to sign up again next month, but these are the two times. And I've gotten more people signed up for the way higher priced version with actually less of the submission dates than in comparison to the previous year. And so that was a big lesson for me. One, I thought, oh gosh, what did I do last year if, if I could have simplified it for myself? And I think I wouldn't have learned it unless I just tried it, right? I, I wouldn't have known if anybody would have wanted it. I wouldn't have known if this was even the right price. And so I had to start somewhere. And as soon as I started, that immediately gave me data of, nope, that seemed right hypothetically, but as soon as I tried it, nope, that was not the right fit. And so I think for our entrepreneurs who are listening and who are afraid, and most people in healthcare are perfectionists, right? I'm going to that out there. Most of us are perfectionists or recovering perfectionists at some level. So you want to birth this like amazing product. The reality is you're not going to know what's wrong with it until you actually have a paying client going through it and telling you what else they want. So yeah, that, that's what happened is I charged more and I got more clients and I'm working less on it, which is completely counterintuitive. Insane. I, it happened to me too. And it's like, I've heard other people say this before. And so maybe it's just one of those things like my mom says, you have to learn through the school of hard knocks because you're not going to believe somebody until you do it yourself. <laughs> it is true. It is so true. And I, I think part of it too is you learn what is appropriate to put in those packages. What is going to be the best thing. Sometimes you think more work, more worksheets, more coaching is what's needed. And we got to remember that our clients aren't necessarily paying for giving them a ton of things. They're giving, they're wanting you to give them a curated list of things they need to do to get to their end result as fast as possible. Right. So especially for those of us who want to over deliver, right. Where we got to remember our clients don't necessarily want us to throw a bunch of things at them. They want us to be able to lay a path for them to follow and they might not care as much of it's this many times or this many worksheets, right? It's our responsibility to figure out how do we get them from A to B in the best way possible. Oh, so good. I am so glad that we had this chance to talk. Have I missed anything before we tell people where to find you and follow you? I think the, the only thing I would say, one more thing is that especially because as we're recording this, this is a time of a lot of uncertainty. I would say for anyone who's listening, who wants to start a business, but never has taken the leap to do so, and it might feel like right now is not the best time. I would actually say right now is an amazing time to actually start exploring because the whole world is on pause and so much innovation, so much creativity is being sparked by the current conditions. And so for those who are listening and who just have always had that itch of, I think I can contribute in a different way, or I think I have knowledge that people would want to pay for that I'm not currently expressing in the work that I'm doing now, I would highly encourage for people to explore that now. And the pandemic might feel like you need to pause and, and just stop with the world, but there's no other time than now where people's innovation, creativity, and willingness to give is needed. So I would encourage people to take that step forward. 
And I think a lot more people are forgiving when you don't understand the tech stuff because everybody all of a sudden just got thrust onto Zoom. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. And if you've heard me say that before, I did not pay Mary Grace to say that, to put a stamp (laughs) on what I've been telling you. (laughs) That's been so fun, Mary Grace. Will you please tell the listeners how to connect with you? Sure. So if uh, those are listening and you are looking for college prep advice for kids or someone that you know is college bound, you can go to bit.ly forward slash the college prep checklist. It is a free checklist that I put together for grades 9th through 12th that highlights all the things that you need to do in an easy, organized fashion so that you can stay on track. So visit me there and you'll sign up for my newsletter and you can keep in touch. Awesome. So we'll have that in the show notes in case you do read the show notes. And thank you so much, Mary Grace. Take care. You too. 